pushing the boundaries of expectations, rewriting the rules of adventure are the reasons we get up in the morning. We share your hunger for a life without limits. Hey KBs and welcome back for another session of edification, celebration, encouragement, all right here at one place where you are championed. I'm so glad to have all of you back with us again today. StephenCanyon.com is the website. Miss Maggie, happy Monday to you. The happiest of Mondays. I love the t-shirt, by the way. Thank you. And you got the formula there on, on the top of the, the yes. tree. Oh, yeah. The tree of life. The tree of life. I'm showing it on the KB cam. There you it go. Is. Great weekend. Oh, man. Wasn't it fun? Uh, sure was. I, I um, had the drone out, and wow. You've become, I mean, you're, <clears throat> you're becoming a surgeon with that drone. <laughs> no, the, you're a surgeon when you can take a drone and go at about 35 miles an hour through a forest <laughs> around the trees. But you're going to have to have a visor like the guys that we saw. Where was yes. that? in um, Up above Sedona, Arizona. It was, it was in Flagstaff. I don't remember the name of the – it was a national forest area. It was the coolest thing. They put on the visors to where they could see through the camera on the drones, and then they flew at night. And, I mean, they were flying, booking, and going through the forest and through the trees. And, and just, you know, that would, that, would be, that would be fun. They, say, they set up an LED obstacle course. I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you could watch it online. Yeah. And uh, So fun. These guys are you tri- would be, you'd tricksters. You'd be really good at that. I would be. You have would, good spatial awareness. <sighs> I'm not sure I do. Yeah, well, <clears throat> that comes from <laughs> from backing up a fifth wheel on the back of a truck. You better have spatial awareness, <laughs> right? Question: Did you ever have a mishap during one of your symphony concerts? And I was just thinking about this, hmm. and and really, a what mishap. what made me start, you know, wondering and, and even uh, reviewing some of my own experiences is seeing so many of these street musicians. And how casual they are about performance, and I'm almost envious of their lack of care. They're out there, they're just schlepping stuff around, they, they climb up on a rock and they start playing, and it's the <laughs> best. I mean, it is so cool and so enjoyable to have music like that, but they don't, have a, they don't seem to have a care in the world. And then you take that, well, like last night. We were watching uh, some of the Vienna um, Philharmonic. Uh, Philharmonic and and do some of their concerts and beautiful, but it's a, it's it's different, isn't it? Oh, it's totally different. It's a completely different uh, animal performing in symphony versus being out live somewhere. To- well, and yeah. you know, it's the stuffiness and so and so many of the musicians in a symphony. I mean. You know, the last thing they'll ever want to do is smile on stage. I mean, it is they're they're like it's tuxedo mindedness and formality and and in that I've you know I've played out in front of symphonies, but I'm you know in performance, I'm not feeding off of anybody. I'm I'm just I'm playing and and also the piano that I play, as you know, I've I had it built up. Yeah, it raised <laughs> up so this you've got a grand piano where I stand when I'm playing it, and it's by design because I don't want to. I feel too constricted to sit and have to be, <clears throat> you know, focused. I move <laughs> <clears throat> even doing these podcasts. You know, I'm kind of it's, it's hard for me to sit still, and so there's no way I could play with a Philharmonic any you know Philharmonic of 
you name the town, and sit there and be formal. So I'm wondering, in, in that you have, you've got a vast amount of experience playing with symphony. Have you ever had a mishap <laughs> and something that stuck with you? Well, and yeah, absolutely. And I have to say, in, in playing in a symphony like that, the formality is, I think, really born of the heightened pressure because the pieces that you play in symphony, they're so intricate. Mm-hmm. So first mm-hmm. of all, you better not be the one to go squeak after <laughs> you know after a hundred people have stopped altogether so there's an intensity of not dropping something not not being the the sore thumb that sticks out in this huge concoction of musicians as how well. easy would it be to go squeak in beethoven's ninth very I mean, are you kidding me the staccato the the the, the tightness that's required and you know, your your half step off. Everybody's going to know it. Well, exactly. And to to give some insight into how difficult these pieces are in the first place, everyone still has music, even though you've rehearsed it hours and hours and hours. And so, the amount of notes you're playing, the amount of counting that has to be done to make sure you're coming in at the right spot, it's very intense. And like you said, everything is so deathly quiet. You know, there's always that one cough. Like right before. Exactly. So did you ever have a mishap? <laughs> okay, a mishap. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, in the, in that death calm of quietness, did you go squeak? You know, the only thing... Okay, so two things... Uh, and I'm putting... I love putting you on the spot. I love it. I love it. Because yeah. I, li- I enjoy remembering these things. So one, one thing happened... you got to be able to laugh at yourself and not take yourself too seriously, even if you play in symphony. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So you don't just have a complete melt- meltdown. <laughs> well, you you know what? If because if you if you can't take yourself uh, lightly, if you take yourself too seriously, you're steeped in ego, and that's why I ask these questions because it kind of tells us a lot about ourselves. If yes. you know, if you have that mishap experience, but I'm just, gosh darn it, there's no way I'm going to tell you about it. You got you've got you've got some work to do. Right. Probably the biggest mishap. Well, the one that I ex- saw is is the concertmaster popped a string within the first piece. And so that was interesting. Oh, now, wait a minute. Have you had a mishap? Now, I'm going to tell you. It's, I'm uh, going to tell you. Okay. I just thought okay. that was interesting. Was it the, the same right after he popped a string? <laughs> yeah, well, it was probably close. So, right. so he popped a, a string. But what I thought is interesting is that there's protocol for that. And so what they do is they take the back... The, the last person who has a violin in that section, they pass it up to whoever popped a, sp- a string, and that poor person uh, has to sit there <laughs> without an instrument oh, oh, okay. for the entire concert. So All that's right. what happens. And then the biggest thing that can really happen is for your instrument, especially a string instrument, to go out of tune, and you have trouble getting it back in tune mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because on a violin you have the the pegs they don't always stick if if you're in a new environment a new city it's too humid and so that's always when you start sweating and i've had that happen a couple times you know you're just sitting there and it just won't stay in tune and they're about to start the piece and they do not wait on you did you, you pass your have to pass your violin up to the concert master no because you never, didn't do that because i've never did been you have the string chair. pop i've never been last chair so did you have a string pop? No, I've never had a string pop. You were just out of tune. Yeah, but but it's not just being out of tune. It's it's realizing that it's it's not staying in tune. And so so you, that's horrifying. Do you, you just don't play. Well, you just get it in tune. You All figure right. it out. But it, but that's uh, what makes you sweat. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of weak. You didn't fall off your chair. You didn't drop your bow. You, nothing like that. No, 
No, but well, most good. people that's don't good. because that's there's. Good. But again, symphony is a highly, highly prepared event. You're not just going Isn't out it? to play. So I mean, you're making sure that <laughs> yeah. you've got fresh bow hair. Uh, everything's working. That, everything's good. Okay. All right. I mean, maybe the worst thing that can happen is you somehow get lost in the music. That doesn't happen well, that I was much, at though. A, I was at, okay, I was at a Yanni concert, and the, the lead vocalist guy was coming down the stairs, and he tripped, he fell down the <gasps> stairs. That's no. a mishap. I, uh, back years ago, and I was DJing, oh um, doing high school, <laughs> he fell down the stairs. Mm. Um, that's, that's a mishap. Okay, now let me say this. So, symphony is so controlled. So, I mean, you're in a chair, right? I mean, everybody's mm. in chairs. But I have to say, for your concerts, Sitting on those risers, standing and sitting, moving around, walking—that oh. is intense. Yeah, that was intense. I, I felt yeah, like that, I was going to fall. That was not good. You had a little small swath of like four feet, to, and you were way up there, and you <laughs> were having to—you were standing doing the some solo work. Yeah, and I don't know how you did that. Well, and also, my apologies. Oh, I am so sorry. It, it made me but a better person. Tough. <laughs> yeah, but I was going to say too. When I would stand up on those risers, hmm. you know, the risers were six feet, but the stage was eight feet, and the risers were at the edge of the stage. Yeah, so. you, you were you were <laughs> oh sky, gosh. you were skied up there. You were pretty high. It was fun though. It was a blast. I loved it. <laughs> I was like, why wouldn't you make eye contact with me when we were playing? <laughs> I'm like, because I have vertigo. <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> the, and this many many years ago, and I was DJing some high school, you know dances usually after a football game or proms and the very last and i did so many of these but the very last one but you know the story but it's a good story. um mishap <laughs> and so i'm on the way and it's about a hundred miles away from where i lived at the time and this was a high school prom end of the year and uh they you know this is the tuxedo this is your senior and the kids are and this is the the oh, deal, yeah. right? Prom They've is been life. thinking about it for twelve years, and here they are. And so I'm the DJ, and I'm on my way, and my car overheat. I'm pulling this huge trailer, and it overheats, and because I'm going up into the mountains, and I get some water, have it cool it down, and I hit, I go some more, and it overheats again. So I'm like, I'm not going to make it, and so I. I call the school and tell them I can't make it, and I'm so sorry. And, and of course, they wouldn't hear of it. This is the prom. What else are they going to do? They need music, and they need entertainment. So they send a couple of guys in a pickup truck to come get me and the equipment. They show up. We transfer the equipment. We go on to the prom. How far and, away were you? Oh, I, was, I had just made it out of town, so I was probably still 90 miles away. Oh, my gosh. So we get there, and it's, it's um, 1130 at night. <laughs> you know, and it, the prom started at, what, 8, 7, I don't know. So um, we, we take the equipment in and get it all inside, and I realize that um, I didn't have my turntables. I'd left those in my vehicle. And I had all the, the records. This is back when you, we, we were still spinning records. So somebody runs home and they get a record. They get one one record player. And if you've ever DJed, you need two to segue. And so by the time we get it all set up, it's ten minutes till midnight, and I have one record player. And I I play a song, and then after the song, I'm taking it off. It's dead air. It's nothing. And I think I played maybe two records or two songs. And it was after midnight. And and the kids were, you know, they leave. 
They left. That was the end of it. I go up to the principal and I ask him for my check. And he's like, you're serious. you got to be kidding me. Well, but that was the, that that was a mishap, and oh I guess gosh. I carried that with me for a while. Um, the it, intensity. That was the, the last one I did. I, I was DJing these things for I don't know many years, and then that that was the one I was ready to quit anyway. That that was enough. Mishaps. You know, the one thing that I can really picture from that story are the stares that I know you were getting from those kids. Oh goodness, it was horrible. <laughs> if looks could there kill. were five hundred kids in tuxes there, and I'm so. If you're listening or watching, I my apologies. Maybe maybe you didn't <laughs> you, you don't remember who the guy was, but it was it me. Was me. Oh I gosh. I own it. I'm owning my truth. <laughs> owning your owning your mishap. I feel better. <laughs> You look you look lighter. You look lighter. Thank you for well, and you hearing know, me out. Hearing that story reminded me that I did go to a violin competition once and I got there without my violin. Well, no, you see, here we go. Because okay. I was just thinking symphony you concerts. You think that's bad. I was no. just thinking symphony concerts, but There so, you go. You you didn't have your violin. Yeah, I got I literally got there for the competition, looked around, I had left my violin at home. And it was home. a competition. Did you have did you borrow one? Well, it was it was interesting because it was in the same town that a relative lived and so my mm. mom called the relative, they went and rented a violin. Oh wow. Which was kind of cool. rough because it was a really bad instrument, but it worked out. It worked out. It happens. You know, these things, this is part, this is life. <laughs> C'est la vie. I mean, stuff happens. And I think it's key. And the reason I even I'm interested in this topic is because it's vital that you have a sense of humor about yourself and <laughs> maybe not in front of the people that it's affecting. It could exasperate the, you know, obviously I'm not going to laugh about my situation at the high school prom in front of the kids, but you have to, you got to own it and, and recognize that, you know. Perfection is in the imperfection and in the experiences and that we're having as we go through this life and recognizing that all of this is is the reason it's not perfect is so that we can learn from it and in and learn from the observation of these things as they happen and also to get yourself out of ego. To not take yourself so seriously like you, you're at the place where there's no way I would ever tell you something that I found embarrassing because I'm protecting my ego. Mm. So many people, as a result of, of what we're talking about, they find themselves stuck at a place in life and they just aren't really quite sure how to fix it. And this is the problem. You're trying to keep the constructs, the mental constructs of the ego alive by feeding a narrative that the... The fact that the 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 prom was such a wreck it was it was the fault of the two guys that came and picked me up in the pickup truck and not transferring the turntables. It wasn't my fault. It was their fault. I'm protecting the ego with a narrative that, quite frankly, doesn't serve me very well. Just like the Bill Murray movie Groundhog Day, uh, which fantastic. I love such Bill Murray, but you know he's he's learning to relive his life and to perfect it too. Um, to overcome things that you know, I'm, certainly the ego is being protected. But you know, we we tend to live live the same situation over and over again and again because we refuse to learn from mishaps. Mm-hmm. We refuse to say, "Hey, what you know? This is part of living. It's part of our experiencing this life, and that things are just you know." Su- 
we, we should not be meddling in using our dominion to try to control the outcome of certain things to where it makes us look good because you're setting yourself up for a, a lifetime of disappointment if you do that. Mm. Imagine, imagine if you kept living, for example, the same negative uh, experience of forgetting your violin. Oh, believe me. Over and over and over. Not only would you, your parents probably have disowned you completely, but imagine if that were the case. Or, you know, if for myself, every single Friday night for the last however many years, I had to face 500 graduating seniors oh at gosh. their prom, staring a hole through me and me checking to make sure I knew where the exit is. And it's their prom, and, you know, mm. I'm their entertainment, and I've got no entertainment. But I'm the entertainment, and I'm not very entertaining, and I'm doing this every Friday night. Imagine if that was the, the way that you know, we were experiencing this life. But in a, in a sense, that's what we're doing as long as we're protecting that memory of a mishap and placing the blame of that on something or someone else. When you say protecting the memory of the mishap, can you expound on exactly what you mean by that? It's someone else's fault. I don't want to talk about it. Um, it's embarrassing to me. Mm. It's um, one of those things. I just wanted to go away, and I'm protecting the ego, the the mental constructs of cause and effect that really were outside of my uh, purview of of control, and it happened to me because, after all, I'm infallible, and you need to see me as being infallible and perfect and something for you to admire and to aspire to become. And at the end of the day, when no one's around, I know that that's not true, but I'm protecting and building up this egoist sense of self-value that's not serving me well, and in fact, it's haunting me as I go through this life. And it's, it's constricting and restricting the experiences that I will have, keeping me from experiencing and enjoying my best life because I'm protecting the mishap. I don't, I'm, I'm enfolding it into human consciousness mm-hmm. and making it something that uh, it's, it's not. Interesting how you just described that as really building a, a, a house of cards that you, if you're, if you're doing that, you're, you're spending all your time building the house of cards. And so it's, it's negating any personal growth that you could be achieving. That's, that's fascinating. Sure. You know, more often than not, Meg, there is a simple solution to uh, the issues of life. Right. And these are the things that we're talking, these, these mishaps make up issues and mishaps can come in so many different sizes and forms and from big, huge problems and issues that are magnified to the smallest things that no one else ever knows about, but they're all issues. Mm. And there's typically a very simple solution to all of this. And and I would just say as a creative creator, and that's what we all are, the thing that is often misunderstood is how powerful the words that we speak are. Mm. Our yes. words have power. Our words are things in the, the quantum world, in this realm, words are not empty sounds. They're actually expressions of things. And regardless of what you're activating using your kinetic belief, your, if you're a KB, whatever you are imagining to receive and to manifest into your life, without the target of words, and that's really what they are, 
Words are targets. Without the alignment of our words, whatever you're believing to change to manifest cannot come in the manner or the the way that you would want them to. And as such, just like a snare, someone will find themselves entangled with just one persistent problem. It's like the Groundhog Day, and it's over and over, and it happens again and again and again, (laughs) and it's the same issue, it's the same problem that just won't go away. Someone has done everything that they know to do, and they've, they've Googled it, they've read blogs about it, (laughs) <laughs> they focused on it. They meditated on it. They tried to ignore it. But it's kind of like hoping for the twelfth of never. The solution just never comes. Mm. Ah, but then the problem, you see, it begins to take on a life of its own. And without even your seemingly um, persistent help, it's it's growing now. And, and so as such, we begin to, a person begins to identify with the problem. And, oh my, this is when you become steeped in the issues of life because you become its lifeblood. Because without you, the problem can't exist. And so now there's a a requirement of your involvement with the egoist sense of that problem or that issue, and it becomes the identity. And so you call up your friends and you want to talk about it. And you begin wearing those issues and you become dramatic about it. And it's part of your persona. And so that person describes the problem to other people. And, um, you know, hi, my name is Steve, and I'm uh, a drug addict. Hi, my name is Steve. And boy, if I, you think that's bad, let me tell you what, what um, uh, my, how bad my upbringing was. Let me tell you how bad my life was growing up when, uh, you know, going uphill in the snow barefoot to school both ways. I don't know. But again and again, you know, you say things like, man, this is bad, and, there, and nothing I, I do seems to help how bad this is. But this is, the, this is the issue. This is typically the issues that uh, will suffocate someone's attempt to live a life that is free from the burden of of guilt and condemnation uh, and to live a life that's full of happiness and joy. So let's say, for example, let's say that somebody, that a colleague at work, that this person is uh, a frenemy. So they are nice to you on the surface, and then they're always insulting you with these very subtle jabs, things that you can't quite call out because they're so well-crafted. But the, ish, the the point being is that this person is a problem. They are a thorn in your paw. So I get why it can be so difficult to get the word aspect correct because you want to talk about the issue, even if you're trying to reach a solution. So let's take this specific example. How can we approach this issue gather information, find a solution without talking about it? Well, first of all, you know, as a a KB, who are you talking to? Mm -hmm. Because the the fundamentals of conversation is that you are either keeping alive the egoist mental constructs of human consciousness, which is identifying with an issue. Mm -hmm. For example, you know, if... No one can offend you unless you are offendable. No one can um, 
uh, keep alive something that you are breathing life into unless you're seeking the validation of that issue. And so you're wanting to have a conversation with anybody that's going to agree with you that you have a problem. Wow. So it sounds like that in those situations, when we tell ourselves the story that, hey, I just need to talk to someone to get counsel about how to deal with this thing, that it's really sort of a a lie to yourself because you're really just wanting to talk about it. You're really just wanting to tell yourself and someone else this egocentric story. Mm -hmm. Is that Mm -hmm. correct? Yeah, and counseling is, is 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 a big issue because most counseling wants to focus on the problem rather than the solution. For example, maybe you're a KB. You are a KB. <laughs> Maybe someone listening, you're, all of you, you're, you're KBs, and, and you know better than to focus on the problem this way. But now it's out of your immediate control because you've t- you've, you have vocalized the issue and presented it to someone else, to their ego. And an ego needs an ego in order to survive validation. And so just by the very mere fact that you're taking the issue <clears throat> to an, another ego— You've gotten now. You've gotten yourself so caught up in the negative flow of the circumstance that, and you're practicing the narrative that it's becoming you, wow. and you've become the problem. And you are so mentally rehearsed that it's become second nature, and. So you just open your mouth and let it fly. I love this description of uh, gathering people to have an ego party. You know, we're all standing around and going, no, you're perfect. No, you're perfect. No, you look good. No, you look good. But that's really what we're doing. And I love anything that that really fosters honesty with self, authenticity. Let's get real. Let's really talk about the the actions that we're that we're proposing throughout the day, the conversations we're having. And let's be honest about what they really are, what they really mean. And so you're taking us through the power of words today. So are we replacing those fruitless conversations with people? In, about the problem? Are we replacing that with our own narrative, our own words to uh, I, I'm a little, I think I've kind of gotten myself confused with my own analogy because you tell us that we can't, you know, necessarily change. We don't have dominion over other people. So can our words even be effective in a situation like that? Oh, absolutely. But here's what begins to happen. And I think we're starting to see this bear out in our own conversation mm-hmm. is that most of what we talk about, we shouldn't talk about. <laughs> so there's a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> right. Most of what I say, I shouldn't and, say. And, and to begin reviewing the process and the the, the uh, how powerful words are, and that they are things, you'll probably find yourself accurately saying nothing for a few days. Absolutely. I, mean, I, I just all I know is I need to stop talking Absolutely. because I'm doing myself and everybody else a lot of harm. The fundamental creative process of objectifying the substance of belief to arrange an, anybody else's expectations, and that tip, that's really what we're doing when we're having conversations with each other, is I'm trying to arrange your expectations. And by doing so, I'm arranging my own expectations into the empirical realm, the, the realm of forms around us. It, it's pragmatically unstoppable in the midst of a torrent of these doubtful, negative, destructive conversations that we have with each other mm. that actually perpetuates the miserable condition that a person says that they are desperate to change. Wow. And so it's a contradiction in terms that I, you know, I don't like the way things are in my life. And I'm going to tell you the way things are in my life that I don't like. 
I'm perpetuating that, and I'm making certain then that the things that I don't like are going to show up again tomorrow that I don't like, because after all, that's who I am. Mm. And the, the focus of problems, it doesn't have to be on just yourself. I mean, you know, that's the first thing we think of is how does this pertain to me? Well, it's me going to you and telling you what I think is wrong in my life, but that's not necessarily the case. The manifesting power of attentive words. It doesn't care who or what the words are about. You can talk about your problems, the problems of someone else's, or the problems of the world, the problems with the weather, with viruses, and it matters in that you're creating a a target, in that you're creating a target to manifest the expectations of what you talk about. And that's That's, after all, what we're doing as kinetic believers is we're in the business of manifesting, right? We want things to show up that are different than the way things have been in our lives. And so it's it's vital that we get this and understand if things aren't changing fast enough, why that might be the case. I was, I told you about this, I was going down an aisle in a grocery store yesterday, and I heard one employee say to the other, that they were restocking the shelves. And and she said, what's wrong with these people these days? Just what is wrong with everybody these days? I know they're crazy. And there, there's something really wrong with people. <laughs> and I, I don't know what in particular she was talking about. But, but the first thing that crossed my mind, well, when has there ever been a time where there wasn't something wrong? With right. people, like all of a sudden, <laughs> like, but it's all just of a today. sudden, and um, but I think the mm. takeaway there is, you know, now that may seem harmless, right? And those are the kind of com- things that we say to each other. But as long as we keep calling things like they are, speaking about things that are problems or what we think are problems, then problems are never going to become lifeless enough to create a vacuum for change, dynamic change to begin to manifest and to show up. Well, I have to say, this is the first thing, becoming a kinetic believer that I fixed and that changed my life to the to the greatest degree is getting control of your words and then assessing them uh, on, a, on a microscopic level. Uh, for I remember you said this one time, and it stuck with me for all these years. You said, you know, we're not legalistic, but the law of attraction is. And so that's why we have to stop saying that makes me sick or i you know oh joking about death i mean we even have that little knowing inside where you go well knock on wood when you say something that you don't really want to happen and for me this was the first step the first huge step that took me from 0 to 100 on seeing results actually seeing these things showing up in my life yeah and you know i think that's um a good point, and I, I also would preface what you just said with, and and what we mean by what's meant by legalistic, and what most people will do is they will judge someone else by what they do, but they judge themselves by their good intentions. But in the empirical world and the forms that we are around, there is a very legalistic approach to the life that we're going to experience. In that, regardless of your best intentions, it's it's the follow-through of your words, which are things that's going to determine what we're manifesting in our lives. And it's a very legalistic thing mm. um, in, in this realm. So what, what is the answer to all of this? 
<laughs> I'm asking you. No. <laughs> I'm asking. Um, <laughs> At any right. moment, at, at any moment, Maggie, you know, you can activate the lifeblood of change. Mm. When a person begins speaking, or what I like to say, calling things that are not, when you look around, speaking, speaking as though things are different than the way they empirically are, as though they already are. Think of your words like, the functions of different targets for manifestations. For example, as you go through the day and you set up, we set up functions for different processes at work, and we do it at home every single night. You you set up the coffee pot, and you put the water in there, and you you everything. You put the cups out. You've set up the function for coffee to be made tomorrow morning. And um, to begin the dishwasher, you turn, you, um, you, you, there's a button you can push and there's to turn on the clothes washer. There's a, a, a button that we use for that to start the computer, to turn on the television. All of these have a function in a very specific way that we activate all of these. There's a start button. The start button is the target for your attention to put into motion the process by which we receive a desired end result. You desire coffee. You desire clean <laughs> dishes. You desire a working computer. And the same is true in the creative realm for manifesting the life that we're experiencing when we speak words. The words are the buttons. The words are the targets. And we're, we're running around uh, setting all of these, these buttons and these start buttons and turning all of these things on recklessly as though it has no effect. And we've got dishwashers running with no dishes in it, computers blinking on and off, and, and this chaos in our lives. And we're wondering, what's going on? Why is everything so chaotic and screwed up in my life when we're spending our days running around pushing all these start buttons? Mm -hmm. These are the words that we're speaking. No one, not one human being, is experiencing something that they have not been talking about. If you want to change what you're experiencing, if you want to start shutting down some of the chaos, change what you talk about. But you see, first we've got to set what we desire, uh, what we imagine. We have to, on purpose, set up what we're grateful for. Don't just go around saying, I'm grateful, I'm grateful, I'm grateful. What are you grateful for? Don't just think, I'm, I'm imagining, I'm imagining. What are you imagining? What is it that you're desiring intentionally? What we put our action toward in motion by changing what we speak about, by calling things the way that we want them to be, and not how we see them, that they appear to be, this is, this is what affects immediate attraction to manifest change into our lives. I love that you're using this word activation. That's washing over me and in a very powerful way because activation indicates that you are like you're saying with these buttons you know you're turning on what you want you're turning on the positive which is so cool because it can get a little confusing confusing with words because you know i can't go around if my arm is broken i can't go around saying it's not broken but that's not what you're saying at all <laughs> you know you're activating the positive not denying the negative Words are targets, and we're not denying we're not de denying the facts of the empirical. What we're doing is we're changing the facts of the empirical by calling things that be not as though they were as we desire them to be. Mm. And now, somebody listening, they might be thinking right now, and 
I'm usually right about this. Yes. Oh, I've heard this before, and I do speak words of faith. I do speak words of I, – I am positive to everybody. They're the ones that are negative and screwing my life up. <laughs> and, but, and, and I do the best that I can I, – and I hope for the best, and, and I want the best, and it just doesn't work out for me. Well, it just did. You see, your words create the target for what you're manifesting, and you just said it doesn't work out for me. Well, that's why it's not working out for you. Because when you speak a target, it sets the it sets things, the substance of what you activate by words into motion for either a good thing or a bad thing. And when you speak words, the standing order of the universe is that it is it has to. It's it's not thinking should I or should I not? No, there's a standing order within the universe, that it must respond to what you and I say so that our words will attract the manifestation of forms to be acted upon based in our creative authority, which we all have. Every single human being has authority for creation and creativity and dominion to operate within. So the degradation of life is solely a derivative of the ego, a person whose life is diminishing, that's full of hardships, full of worry and doubt and fear and chaos and madness and all of these things, that is derived from the egoist state of consciousness, human consciousness. Depravity cannot manifest from its lower nature. It cannot subjugate your original purpose unless you activate the conscious state of being, the identity of worry and doubt and fear through the confirmation of the words that you speak. So when it comes to activating words, I love the idea of you're pressing a button when you're when you're activating using words. Where does all of that fit in when dealing with other people? So let's take the workplace analogy again. You have an issue with a person at work. Are you speaking good words, positive thought forms about that person? Or can should that only be said about you and the things you control? How does that fit in when there's another person involved? Great question. Every issue of life is overcome through the power of unconditional love. That's how we know it as human beings. It's it's. It can be defined in so many different ways, but the best way to understand unconditional love is the essence of love without condition. Yeah. You have, you, as you said, an issue with someone else at work. The issue is with yourself <laughs> and not with the other person. If you want to change something or someone that has access to you, you change yourself. Yeah. So the issue goes away when you meditate to unconditionally love the person um, outside of the issue. Yeah. And then the, the, the proper relationship with that person is to edify and encourage and champion who they are for what they are, not for the antics that perhaps are out of alignment. Mm-hmm. And often those things are there, set there to challenge you to somehow validate the ego, the, the fallacy of the ego that's trying to identify with, with failure, with loss, with worry and doubt and fear and all those things. Maybe they're threatened by you. Perhaps they feel insecure because you're showing up early and leaving late and you're a high performer. So they're trying to validate their insecurities where their own um, performance is concerned by throwing these issues at you. To, mm. It's the bait 
Those are the buttons to get you to come down to where they are so that they can lift themselves up. Don't take the bait by unconditionally loving them and encouraging them, helping them out, help them to become a better version of themselves if they'll take it. But it, you know that's, that is the proper way of relating with all other people. And if they're not up for that, then it's none of your business. Mm. We don't change the way that we operate according to the dictates of the ego state of being that someone else may be steeped in. What a powerful tool the lens of, of unconditional love and the lens of kinetic belief is, because everything that you just described, it's a total perspective shift, and it it really moves us. It, it, what you just said, it revealed that when you're in the ego, everybody's out to get you. They're always out to get you. They're competing with you. They're trying to tear you down. And then when you come over here and you put on you know, the correct prescription glasses and the right lens of kinetic belief and unconditional love, you can see things as they really are and how they're actually functioning and what your words are actually doing and, and, and the lives that people are really living. And, and it seems also that it, that that's going to intrinsically activate compassion as well. True. And then speaking of the lens is when we we are like this and we recognize that we are all connected mm. uh, through higher consciousness. And as such, we're no longer in competition with anyone. And so there's not a threat of someone challenging us. You can only be challenged if you're in your ego. There's no challenge uh, to you and your higher essence of being. There's a passage in the Bible which says, by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Mm-hmm. Our words establish the target and set things in motion for manifestations into our lives, either for abundance or for destruction. And I just heard someone say, uh, honey, turn off that podcast. I don't like this. <laughs> like it or not, you're in a th- you're in a thought created, a word created, a thought controlled, a word controlled universe. You don't have to like it. it, it that's just the, that's the fact. There is incontrovertible evidence of the manifesting power of words. Most people have enough personal coincidences in their own lives. And that's why she said, "Honey, turn it off," because you know you know it's true, and you've you've had it, enough experiences on your own to confirm cause and effect. I mean, it's a scientific um, theory that's been proven again and again. We're in a cause and effect universe, and there is an outcome of expectations that's not it cannot be denied. The articulates of the imagination are words. It's how we express the memes and the thought forms and our dreams and the things we've experienced or that we hope to experience. Quantum theory has revealed the bias of imagination behind everything that has form in the universe. Thought has been demonstrated to affect random number generators that have been placed all over the world. And it's... It cannot be denied that there is an impact, that uh, an impactful cause and effect uh, that the human, even the human consciousness in its lower state of being has on imagination. And the, the random number generators all over the world, they, they will 
be affected by human consciousness, and not in a, a random way. The rate of decay in rice when someone is speaking words of encouragement over one jar and cursing out the other one, and it's been proven again and again that the, 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 the negative energetics will decay one, and the positive will keep the other in a different state, a more uh, a healthier environment. The movement of electrons and protons are affected by the bias of the observer. This is science. This is faith. We're at the crossroads in, in uh, uh, the, the era that we are all living in right now here in 2021. This, all roads have intersected from philosophy and, and spiritual thought disciplines to quantum mechanics. Here we are. Thought, desire, bias, all of this is the creative authority that is at work in the power of human consciousness. So... How reckless and how tragic is it for the one who disregards to uh, the, the wisdom of their higher power to be able to experience the abundant life? As you give us this deeper understanding of words, does, does that only include the spoken word or does that also include inner dialogue? It is, we're, the spoken word, these are words that are, are enunciated, that are put out into the realm around us. The, the, you know, there's another, the, the power of thought that's meditated on, and you continue to, to construct that has, has uh, creative power. But these are words that are not articulated uh, in an inner narrative unless you follow after that and start building upon that. Wow. So uh, one more quick question about that. So are you... Is it, is it the spoken word that is really controlling and determining the inner dialogue or vice versa? Which, which one leads the other? Well, first, first conscious state of being, and then, then we decide what we're going to talk about. And that's why there's such a strong temptation you know, for, for someone who feels bad to say to someone that I feel bad mm. because you want to establish that feeling of bad and, and try not to. The next time you, you feel like a cold is coming on you, see how difficult it is not to call mom and say, Mom, I feel like I've got a cold today. You're <laughs> establishing that by the construct wow. that, that words are things, and you make it so because you have final authority, which is established in this realm by the words that you speak. We speak failure or we speak prosperity. Mm -hmm. And if you're about to say a negative thing, stop before you establish it and to manifest that as a very real tangible thing. Now, the universe was established in exactly the same way from the very beginning. In fact, it, it, there is a scripture in the Bible which agrees with quantum physics. It says, God made everything by calling things which be not as though they were, just like we're talking about. And it even says that all of creation, that the entire system of the universe was set into motion by speaking into the darkness and saying, light be. And light was in the book of Genesis. Meg, we live under a word-activated law of attraction system, and it's always been that way. And it, it will always be that way until the universe goes on and does whatever it's supposed to do next. The evolution of enlightenment has been spirited to manifest greater things than, than have been uh, through the power of observation and desire. Greater things always coming, and it's the evolution of expansion to, uh, to, to 
consume greater territory, to expand, to become more. The tree that continues to grow, the life that continues to experience through awareness more. We, we consume the environment through awareness to become more. That is the, the, the way of expansion. I love how everything that you're telling us right now, it's getting rid of any concept of chance. Because we love to, before we start becoming very strict with our words, our thoughts, what we're manifesting, what we're believing for, we love to walk around and go, you know, be so surprised when something terrible shows up, like, oh, where did that come from? But it's, this is, it's a recipe, you're teaching us about the laws of the universe, just as, as definitive as gravity. So, you know, when you follow the recipe for brownies and then you're mad that you didn't get cookies, <laughs> we can't be surprised anymore. We cannot walk around wondering why this happened because these are set in in the universal stone, if you will. The person that acts surprised when things don't happen the way that they expected them to is uh, delusional and is not honest with themselves because we know so little. And to be puffed up in your own sense of, of wisdom and knowledge to where you feign being surprised by a shooting star that streaks across the night sky that you weren't expecting, well... You know that that's the person that needs to embrace their their own uh, uh, fallacy and and insignificance where awareness is concerned. Significance in their ability to to be uh, all powerful and to experience a life that they are imagining to see, but insignificant in that we have so much to learn. And that's the joy of life. That's the, the joy of our energetics continuing on forever and ever, that there is always more for us to experience and to become aware of. Yes. How sad of an existence would it be, Meg, if we knew it all? If there was no, <laughs> if there were no new discoveries? And that's why I think the person who says, well, there are no Aliens, there's no such thing as UFOs. Uh, it's, that's just not possible because you know it's not here. There's no nothing else. That's that's. Isn't that uh, why uh, <laughs> there are aliens? Look at you, right? <laughs> Isn't that why thirteen-year-olds uh, are so miserable because they know everything, right? <laughs> but this, you know, this is the one thing that we cannot change, like it or not. We were created by the system that we live and that we die by, mm -hmm. and we we can, however. By transcending human consciousness, and that's what we talk about, by being a kinetic believer, learn to no longer identify with the narratives that negatively align us mm -hmm. with the uh, lower vibrational observation of loss and condemnation and stagnation and uh, limited um, existence. This is so exciting because you're quite literally taking the the magic of belief and then the concrete stabilized ideas of science and the laws of the universe and tying them together because they actually do go hand in hand. And, you know, this how supercharged can our knowledge and our belief be? Because it's backed up by all of this, all of this this depth of knowing that you're giving us. This is mm. so cool. What a, see, that's the journey, isn't it? Isn't that the adventure to open yourself to all things being possible because they are? Mm. As creative human beings, we can, by desire, 
And through kinetic belief of the imagination, gratitude, speech, and actions, we have the innate ability to activate the higher power of the abundant life through the words that we speak in order to manifest the lives that we perfectly choose to experience. We change our environment by what we say. Isn't it interesting that even though this is universally accepted for the many reasons that it is, that controlling what we say still remains one of the most difficult disciplines of human endeavoring? It's not easy, is it? I mean, just blah, 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 say it, and then, or, you know. (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. Bless her heart. You know, I love her, but, you know, she sucks. What are you doing? Quantum... (laughs) Are you from North Carolina? No, I'm not. (laughs) I've been there. Quantum physicists have observed the God particle creating mass in a way that reflects the observer's belief through quantum entanglement. The Buddha says, do not slander others or speak in a way that causes disharmony or enmity. Words are things that manifest. Jesus said, whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. So here we are, again, at this crossroads. And it's not even being debate. You know, until now, there have been debates between the philosophers and the, the religionists and the spiritualists and, and the scientists, but no more. There's an agreement. There's proof of the faith of the philosophy and experiential knowledge. We're here. Even in the empirical world, no one denies that you have to speak the result you want. You can't go down and apply for the job and not say, I want the job while you're there. Basic. Say you want to build a house facing the West, but you tell your builder you want it to face the East. Well, what do you think you're going to get? Even though the desire of your heart, it might be that you want to have a house that faces the West, you are going to get what you said. You're going to get a house that faces the East. So it is in the life that we're experiencing. What you say with your mouth is what you're going to get, even though you might desire something else. What would you say to the person that's listening and and they're thinking, you know, Steve, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I get it. I need the way that I manifest is by speaking what I want. But, you know, not even being able to joke about stuff. I mean, I know that I'm not being serious in those moments. I mean, do I really have to to make sure that every single word that I say is only what I want to happen? Well, I would just say, you know, there's nothing wrong with with light-hearted humor and uh, but I would certainly say be careful about what you joke about. And I think most comedians would say this. They're not going to joke about, well, I'm after this, I'm planning on driving down to to uh, Chicago and I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to be killed in a car accident. Mm. Ha ha. You're not going to say that because we live in a word created, word upheld universe. Words dominate our lives. They are the mode of operandi for expectations. And they and we know this. I think people, no one's cursing themselves with the words that they speak because you have, you just know it and you know her. So words set the course for the life that you will experience, the circumstances that you will manifest, no matter how much you don't want to believe this, regardless of how much you may want to disagree. The creative power of words 
in the realm of higher consciousness cannot be changed, but we can change the words under which we live. Words determine what you will have. The, the entirety of this world in its egoist form, in, it's in the negative flow of dogmatism. It's going in one direction. It's going the wrong way at war with the factuous reasonings of this identity crisis. In other words, if, if you do nothing, if you don't do anything, you end up flowing downstream and you're going with everybody else and you succumb to the human consciousness, which is just being asleep in poverty and asleep in, in a life of stagnation and repeating the same kind of dramatics and the harmful constructs of the words that are spoken negatively and the life is a circular a pattern of, of repetition that and you never seem to be going anywhere. So a kinetic believer is one who is championing life who's experiencing their genius of their purpose in his life, uh, unconditionally loving themselves, who's celebrating the truth of their original identity, who's wearing it loud and proud and not ashamed of it, and unconditionally loving themselves, loving the, the Creator, loving all around them, who's uh, uh, paddling upstream as a way of life, going in the other direction, because for this person... It's the adventure that's being led by the intentional pursuits of our curiosities. The thing that makes you curious that I'm going to lift this rock up and see what's underneath this one. I want to see, you know, what makes this leaf turn in the fall and become this vibrant color. You know, why, why are the colors of the rainbow what they are? How many stars are in the night sky? Why can I see more in the Rocky Mountains than I can in a city? Having fun with your intellect as an observer and uh, not an, a, a, an identifier. But why is all of this so vital and, and to, to the point of, you know, this is our way of life, and we show up here every day if possible to talk about these things. It's because you will have what you say. It's that simple. You will have what you say. You'll have it. This is one of the most objectionable things that most people, they just don't want to believe because then they would be responsible for what's happening in their lives. Most people... Mac, they just want to blame something. They want to blame someone else for the problems that they are faced with. It can't be your fault after all. And people, even religious, will, will say, well, God caused this thing to happen. God's in control of all these things. God took the life of this young child because God needed another angel. Never taking responsibility. Never realizing that in, or or accepting the fact that if you screw up, you screw up. If you have a mishap in a symphony concert, maybe it's because you didn't prepare yourself. Maybe it's because you fumbled something. Maybe it's because you are having uh, the ex the glorious experiences of a fallible, uh, in a fallible human condition. You can observe it and just enjoy the the uh, the effect of that. But of course, because we don't exist in a vacuum free from the cause and effects of expectations. All of us will just face the negative consequences of the negative kinetic beliefs of the people around us, of the rest of the world. But you still have the final authority of what will become of you. You know, the Creator has 
delegated authority through the the uh, jurisdiction of the universe that we live in and delegated that authority to you for the experiences that you're going to experience while you're here on the earth. And so as such, our words have authority to be able to create something every single time that we speak. Every time we speak, we, we are putting substance. We are organizing the, the forms of, from the mass of the substance that's available to us in the cosmos, in the universe around us. And, and not just when we really want something. You know, we talk about, oh, you got to really, these are the five modalities of kinetic belief, align them and really, 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 really want it. Or law of attractionists will teach just you got to really want this thing and focus on the color of that car and you'll get it. Sure, while there, there are truths in that, there's more to it than that. It's not just when you really desire something. If you speak positive results in your affirmations, in your gratitude, in your prayers, and negative results the rest of the time, your negative words will prevail in establishing uh, the uh, attraction of your circumstances. I've been uh, teaching people these things for many many years and, and and they can that they can have what they say but most people will keep saying what they have and that's that's the the pressure that the ego will place on someone to keep it alive the ego has to die when you no longer feed it and it's hungry it wants you to say what you see that you have that's the only way it can continue to be built up in this uh, uh, false identity. Saying what you have has no power to change things. It does, however, have the power to keep you in what you already have. Saying what you believe is wrong with other people around you, that has no power to change them. But it does have the power to manifest what you believe is wrong with them into your life. Whatever you think was wrong with mama and you keep talking about mama being wrong, uh, sooner rather than later, people are going to look at you and they're going to say the same thing is wrong with you that is wrong with mama or whoever. The modality to receiving the desires of your blueprinted, journaled, highest expectations is to make the words that you speak Agree with what you desire. Make everything that you say, everything that you, you speak and talk about, agree with what you want. Make your conversations. Make your words agree with your affirmations. Agree with your gratitude. Agree with what you're, you're, you're journaling to manifest into your life. And to agree with what you are believing to manifest into your life. Speak what you want in life. Speak what you like in life, not what you don't like. You're, you're pregnant with a manifestation. What are you willing to say about your baby? Mm. Be consistent in saying only expectant kinetic belief words. Husbands and wives, you are celebrating each other right there where you are, right there in the middle of your kinetic belief. And help each other to train yourselves to speak only words of intentionality. Wow. When your life partner corrects you and says something like, uh, 
you know, you've decided to tag team with each other and, and speaking positive words. And maybe you say something that's not positive and your partner comes up and says, now that's a bad manifestation. Don't, don't you be defensive. Just say, you know what, you know what, Maggie, you're right. I shouldn't have said that. I don't believe what I just said. And then say what you choose to believe. Help each other in this. It's a process. It's not easy because this takes work. All of us, we, we are, once you become intentional about your kinetic belief, we're in the process of rewilding ourselves. And we're going back to the beginning to unbecome the negative influences of a, a degrading world around us. It's amazing that I, I like that you just brought up that we can do this together and that that power of agreement that 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 can be activated more than ever with the two with two people with a partnership a friend but just making sure that you are finding other kinetic believers or just one other kinetic believer to utilize this idea of target activating word targets so many of our kinetic believers, the KBs out there, we, we get so many emails, don't we, yes, of people doing it. this together. My wife and I, we were, we're so in love. We were encouraging and edifying and celebrating and championing each other. That's the way to do this yes. because you know we're in a world that's going the other way. And we have to help each other because this is the power of agreement. And it's by aligning, aligning ourselves um, with what we expect, but also with other people. With our family, with our children, with those that we love and care about, aligning in agreement, talking about these things by celebrating, edifying, encouraging, and championing one another as cabies, we are helping each other into the abundant life. Mm, yes. As a kinetic believer, you have creative authority over the money you need. And, and you can command it to come to you. If you need healing, you can speak to your body. And the universe backs up your dictate. Kinetically believe healing. Take authority over your body functions. Holistically imagine with gratitude for the, the proper functions of your, uh, the earth suit that we're all occupying. Speak the results you want. Whatever you say will then manifest into your life. I feel like this really brings us back to if you're willing to stand forever, you're, you won't have to stand for long. And you can really overlay this with the power of words. And if you're willing to say, to say out loud the thing that you're believing for in its positive light, in the way that you want to see it show up without wavering, without you know slipping and speaking the negative or slipping and saying, oh, this is taking so long. This is taking forever to show up that that is also what you're activating. That's the kinetic part of this. Well, you prepare yourself every day, don't you, before yes. you head out? Because there are some unknowns in the world when we are heading out the door. Who knows? What you know is going. You can you can almost count on it's going to be negative in some ways, and um, good for you if you found a community of mostly positive people. I like your idea of preparation there too. That's incredibly powerful because as we prepare, that's the that's why we journal, isn't it? That's why we immerse ourselves in podcasts and we immerse ourselves in kinetic belief because we we begin the podcast by talking about. Uh, a concert being put on hold because of a broken string, mm -hmm. but there was a protocol. Mm -hmm. Imagine if if no one had ever thought, what will we do if, if somebody breaks a string? It would have been mayhem. Mm -hmm. right. And right. I mean, we're just all looking at each other, wondering what to do. So the preparation um, is empowerment 
in this. Well, this kind of life transformation, it materializes only, and it only comes by meditating on our highest expectations as a way of life. Mm. And this is, you know, it's not enough to meditate. You know, you'll, you'll hear a lot of people say, well, I meditate all the time. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, I sit and I, I go to a quiet place and I put on some music, I light a candle. I've got my favorite cup of warm drink right there. And I do my fingers like this and I'm barefoot and I sit uh, cross-legged on the floor and I meditate. Well, what do you mean by meditate? You just described what it looks like to an observer while you meditate, but what are you inside doing when you meditate? <laughs> because it's, it's the, the casting down of imaginations is the beginning of meditation, and it's the, the cleansing breaths that set the state of the physiological presence of being to then imagine yourself in the, from the highest expectations of joy and happiness and peace and prosperity. That's the, that is meditation. It's not the fingers or the bare feet or the candle. That's the room. And so meditating on those highest expectations as a way of life, that's the meditation that prepares you for the broken string. It's not the, the extra string in the violin case that has prepared you for the broken one. It's the lightheartedness to accept things as they come for, with a positive expect, expectation of observation. You're observing this with a lightheartedness approach because it's not affecting your identity. Your ego is not playing the violin. It's your higher essence of being, your, your genius of purpose. The genius is to enjoy the intellect of the curiosity and the experience of playing this music with a reverence for the gift that the Creator has given you. And there's lightheartedness in this pursuit. Mm. There's, also, there's a scripture in the Bible which says, but let him ask while believing with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And it says, for that person must not believe that he will receive anything. And we talk about this, don't we? we? Because this is talking about how we have two choices. They're not three choices. We've got two. We can waver or we can receive. We can be double-minded, not quite sure. I'm worried and doubtful. I'm in the mental constructs of the ego state of being, which is fearful, and I need validation. I need to be constantly validated. Otherwise, I don't know who I am. I don't know what to expect. I don't know what I should be or not, not be doing. You cannot waver and receive or manifest the greater thing at the same time. The target for manifestations, it cannot change. Just like if you go out to a shooting range and the, if the target's doing this, good luck unless you got some scattershot because a target <laughs> cannot be <laughs> easily hit that is moving around. And if you're not watching on the KB cam, you are moving your hands around in a circle. <laughs> uh, that, that's right. <laughs> By the that's way. That's what I was doing. Another <laughs> I, way to understand this is that it's with your words that you either resist or that you align with destruction. It's also with your words that you either resist or align with your best life, with a prosperous life. With your words, you're resisting healing or, uh, or you're aligning with, with sickness. It's with our words that we're, we're constructing the lives we're experiencing. And there are people who will say, I get sick every year instead of, I never get sick. And guess what? They get sick every year. 
<laughs> or you hear it all the time. Well, I just worry about my kids. Instead of saying something like, my kids are safe, they are well. My yes. kids are happy, they are prosperous, they are abundantly safe, and they are all doing really, really well. You're They're, also, I'm sorry. Well, just, there's a difference. There's a difference. And I, and I feel like you're also giving us this big fat reality check about what it really does mean to be a kinetic believer. If you are purposing to be a KB, that means that you are walking through your days. You are forging ahead in your week, saying these things, doing it, doing it right, knowing how to speak, knowing what to speak, knowing the power of your words, of your highest self. You know, how long can we really, I mean, how long could I go saying I'm a violinist without ever picking up a violin? You know, <laughs> at some point we have to fulfill these characteristics and and accept and know that we're be, that we're living as a kinetic believer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the words that we're speaking is setting up the space for the place that we're going to manifest whatever we're talking about. People say things like, you know, I'll probably get laid off this year, mm. like everybody else. I'm gonna, I'll probably lose my. Instead of saying, I am prosperous, and I am inventive, and wisdom leads me to abundance every day of my life. And that's those are the differences. Because, look, it takes time for all of us to rewild, to develop a new way of thinking. Because, you know, you've been saying things since you were nine months old. We learned to talk, you know, we're uh, <laughs> not long, very long into this thing, and our parents teach us how to talk. And so whatever they talk about is, you know, we've probably spoken, and we, we've attracted the things that our parents were talking about into our lives which can be good or bad. And most people don't even consider why they believe uh, about things the way that they believe about things. There was a, a young couple that had been married for just a few years, and, you, and, and on most holidays, mom would, would cook a ham. And she would take the ham, and she'd cut off the ends of it, and she'd put it into a pan, and she'd put it into the oven. And she, this is just the way that she always did it. And then one one day, husband says to mom, says, "Mom, why, uh, uh, why do you keep cutting the ends of the the ham off?" And she said, "Well, that's the way my my mom always did it." She said, "I'll tell you what. I'll call her and ask her why we cut the ends of the ham off because it sure is good, isn't it?" So she calls up mom, "Mom, why do we cut the ends of the ham off before we put it in the oven?" She said, "Well, that's the way Granny always did it. Why don't you ask her?" <laughs> It's her recipe. So she called up Granny. Granny, why are we cutting the ends of the ham off before we put it in the oven? Because it sure does taste good. And Granny said, well, honey, I just didn't have a pan big enough. We don't think about why it is that we do the things that we do. And that, ex that, also, <laughs> that also explains the generational curse of identifying with handed down negative narratives without regard to looking within, looking within for higher counsel, for wisdom of, of uh, the essence of our higher being, for the power of observation, for the unction of wisdom. <laughs> Let's know why we're doing things. <laughs> right. Let's answer that question. That is because, look, if your parents taught you how to talk, and they probably did, which they learned from their parents, then their kinetic beliefs may have opened the door for uh, manifesting destruction into your life. Mm -hmm. 
They may have said things like, now, Elliot, you take care of yourself, honey, because, you know, uh, all the Wyatt men, they don't live very long. Wow. That's a generational law of attraction curse. And if you keep saying and believing and imagining the same thing that they that 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 you're imagining to believe because of what you've heard, you're go, you're going to keep getting the same things that everybody else has always been uh, manifesting into their lives, and that's the definition of insanity, isn't it? Yes. Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results to show up in our lives. Well, what does it mean to fill your words with what you want to attract to create targets for manifestations? To start with, it does not include complaining and it does not include meddling and whispering about people. I look, we're getting down into the nitty-gritty of it here. <laughs> That's what I was just thinking, yes. Because when, when you do this, it just takes you further into the hole that you're already in. And there is that ancient Russian proverb which says, when you're in a hole, stop digging. I feel like this also points to the power of journaling, because I have to say, when I journal my highest viewpoints, it always serves to widen that gap between what I habitually speak and don't really pay that much attention to and the things that I'm wanting to manifest. And so journaling has this really beautiful and, and, and higher power to, I think, illuminate these bad habits, these generational habits. Absolutely. And journaling also gives you the vocabulary, doesn't it? Yes. Mm. Gives you your words. And if your vocabulary in the sentences cannot be constructed from your journaling, then you probably shouldn't be saying it. Because if you speak from a transcendent place, one of enlightenment in alignment with your higher essence of being, which is life, you speak the wisdom of the answer, and you will change your circumstances by manifesting circumstances which reveal your highest vibrational self, and you're creating those memes and thought forms uh, from your journaling. That's the blueprint of your expectations. And you just know when you're, what you're articulating can fit within the parameters of the blueprint that you're expecting to see manifest into your life. I think it's fascinating how the uh, not caring what people think about you, which we talk about and pursue all the time, is going to serve such play such a big role in this process. Because I know that in the past, when I would say negative things habitually, it was always to sort of let people know something about me. Like, let's say you're at work, you don't feel good. That means your work output is lower for that day, probably. But the temptation is now there to let people know that this is why I'm not doing such a great job today. Maybe this is why I seem a little off. I'm full of cold medicine or whatever. But I think it's interesting the role that that's going to play in helping you keep your mouth shut about the things that you, you know, oh, I'm just so worried about what people are going to think about me. So let me explain myself negatively. That's going to be a huge part of this. It is a huge part. And then you also touched on something, which is the topic of another podcast, which I think we've probably done and will do again. And that's being led by your feelings and your emotions. Yeah. And you're showing up at work. And now you've got an excuse. You don't feel good. So you're going to take the lower course of action rather than saying, you know, what I don't feel good. And I'm going to overcome this negative feeling by uh, willfully 
putting in a better performance than I've ever put in in my entire life. And I'm challenged by this. And it's a privilege for me to put down that negative emotion, put down that negative feeling, and to accomplish more, and to be more effective, and to be more assertive, and to use more of my authority and more of my dominion to manifest a greater version of myself. Why? Because I'm enjoying the observation of my curiosities by putting down willfully that negative feeling. And now we're activating all the modalities because you're putting action to it and you're demonstrating to the universe that you believe, that you're actually believing that you do feel better, that that relationship is better, that life is as it should be. And no one in your environment or your sphere of influence will ever know that you don't feel good. Because Look, this is the authority of your kinetic belief at work and and your life. And when you activate it, and, and, and this is even a, this is a great point because if you have that day of your you're feeling less than you you wish you were, you keep your kinetic belief activated because the energetics of attraction don't know how to quit mm. unless you stop it. It doesn't have a stop button. It has one function: law of attraction, one function; kinetic belief, one function. It's not multi-dimensional. It's not multifaceted. You are, but it's not. And it has one function, and that is to manifest your expectations, regardless of how good or bad or right or wrong your expectations may be. You have the authority, and it's activated by your authority. And it's time to stop telling it like it is and start telling it as it should be, as a KB. Because when you continually speak what you desire in the face of adversity, uh, in, of negative judgments, of condemnation, of pettiness, you'll change your circumstances. So refuse to let the world influence your words. Don't repeat what you're hearing. Now, that's a temptation, isn't it? Ah, somebody whispers to you something uh, negative about someone else. I'm not going to speak that. There's no way I'm going to repeat that. So I'll just whisper it. That's so powerful because that <laughs> means that you're being called to be the leader of your own life. When you are taking the lead on everything that's being said, needing to be said, you have a great analogy. I'm sorry, not an analogy, but a great anecdote for this, a story. You were you were teaching Hundreds and hundreds of people are coming to this facility to hear you teach. And then all of a sudden, the fire marshal shows up and says, you've got too many people here. And you and you are surrounded by... Will you finish the story? Well, I'm surrounded... People. <laughs> sure. I'm surrounded by other people that say, well, now we're going to have to close down. What are you going to do? And I say, oh, no, no, no. This, this means that things are going to be even better. Because adversity, when it uh, comes to a, a kinetic believer, is fuel for the fire. And all things are working together for good for those that are uh, in, in gratitude in all things. Because it's an opportunity to manifest even greater things. And sure enough, the, the short of the story is that the facility grew, the crowds grew even larger. Contractors are showing out. up. Contra- contractors <laughs> are showing up, and it just becomes this greater and greater thing because you know the expectation was for that. The manifestation has to follow. The universe isn't part of the decision-making process. You have the authority, you have the dominion, and it's what you say about it that will manifest. So you stand firm in your decision to Mm. only speak what you want to see come to pass in your life. So you set the target on everything that you're believing for and watch 
as kinetic belief sets things in motion with you at the very center of your highest expectations for everybody else to see. Loving your peculiar little self, as weird as you are, <laughs> that is all that's required for your words to literally change your life and the lives of those around you. The power within you changes the world around you. There's nothing at all that's insignificant about your life unless you talk like and act like you don't matter. In the early 20th century, uh, physicist Paul Dirac, who, who won the Nobel Pre, uh, Peace Prize after he, he described the behavior of the electron, including uh, how it would spin, and he was able to predict the existence of the positron by applying Einstein's theory of relativity to quantum mechanics. But he said that he said this regarding a spiritual being's ability while having a human experience through the power of our actions, pick a flower on earth and you move the farthest star. Mm. Let's work on some highest viewpoints. <laughs> on that note. Isn't it good to be a KB? It's so good. Just say this. Say the essence of my higher being. The essence of my higher being. Connected to higher consciousness. Connected to higher consciousness. Is my partner. Is my partner. In all of my decision making. In all of my decision making. I choose to saturate my thoughts. I choose to saturate my thoughts. With positive affirmations. With positive affirmations. Before I go to sleep. Before I go to sleep. I am healthy. I am healthy. I have have limitless energy. I have limitless energy. And with the genius of my wisdom. And with the genius of my wisdom. I am decisive. I am decisive. When the right choices appear before me. When the right choices appear before me. I always make the good decision. I always make the good decision. To be optimistically happy. To be optimistically happy. And I agree. And I agree. That it's a choice. That it's a choice. I am transforming each and every day. I'm transforming each and every day. Navigating toward my abundant life navigating toward my abundant life i am energizing i'm energizing the substance of kinetic belief the substance of kinetic belief to attract abundance to attract abundance through the words that i speak through the words that i speak i wildly imagine my abundance i wildly imagine my abundance for my abundant life for my abundant life and i do this at all times and i do this at all times i have more than enough i have more than enough to not only meet all of my needs and desires to not only meet all of my needs and desires but to underwrite my passions and abundantly share them but to underwrite my passions and abundantly share them with those that I love. With those that I love. I am full of confidence. I'm full of confidence. And I'm overflowing with unconditional love. And I'm overflowing with unconditional love. For every life form. For every life form. I am full of the belief. I'm full of the belief. That I can do all things. That I can do all things. Experience all things. Experience all things. Through the power of my kinetic belief. Through the power of my kinetic belief. And for knowing who I am. And for knowing who I am. I'm thoroughly grateful. I am thoroughly grateful. Wow, we are ready to dive, leap, forge ahead into this week, knowing exactly how to use our words and how to activate those word targets for man for hyperactive manifestation. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, Steve, I am so grateful for you, so grateful to have a partner where we can come together in this idea of kinetic belief and, and watch life unfold in this miraculous way. Oh, Maggie, I love you. And sending out much love and light to all the KB creatives yeah. all around the world. Thanks, as usual, Steve, for all the wisdom. Bye.